Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. My name is Mike. Oh, what to talk about today? I think I have an idea. Why don't we talk about what makes a monster scary in horror films? That seems kind of a uh, kind of a pedantic thing to say, doesn't it? Monsters are supposed to be scary, but if we really stop and think about it for a few moments to some of the less than stellar horror films of the past, we can really see that some monsters are not scary, they're just stupid. And they're not scary at all. What makes a good scary monster? Now, I have a couple of opinions on this, and I think doesn't revolve so much around the monster itself initially. What it actually revolves around is the setup, the atmosphere, and then the lack of visuals on the monster in the beginning of the film. Now, if I were to use some examples of what I mean when this all works correctly, we'll use one film that was very popular, which is Alien. Alien, you never quite knew where the monster was, nor did you really know what it looked like. You would get maybe brief flashes, brief glimpses, little hints of it, until it inevitably came out. Now, you did get, of course, to see a full visual of what the general shape of it from the chestburster that's a real great little mechanic to kind of set you up because you're now thinking that, oh, it's just this little thing, this little grub-like thing. And it turns out to be this monstrous creature. Though I think a slightly better example than Alien would be that of the movie Relic and the monster within it. You never really get to see the monster in its full glory. It's always in the shadows, and you just get the hints of the monster. It's always in shadow. It's always in the dark. You never quite get the full visual range of what this thing actually looks like. And so now, this is where what makes it a really good idea is that the audience is getting little hints and then a big blank. In their mind, they're beginning to draw out what it is that they think they're seeing. So you're giving them point A and giving them point D, but you're never giving them B and C, and so their minds are filling in the blanks, which makes a monster far more visually terrifying if you can't see it. In fact, that's why the movie Jaws works so well as it does. We already know it's a shark. We just don't know the size of it, the monstrosity that it truly is. And that's not exactly by design. That was by accident. Uh, Spielberg, when he was talking about Jaws, talked about the mechanical shark they nicknamed Bruce that uh, was constantly malfunctioning. It was supposed to be in the film far, far more. And it couldn't because the mechanicals were always failing. 
So you didn't get, you only got glimpses of the shark, the monster. And that made the film far, far better. This was a real departure, really, from the old uh, 1950s films, in which the monster was quite often uh, fully seen, so you knew what it was fairly early. I mean, you can think of, you know, Dracula, uh, the mummy, King Kong, uh, Godzilla, you know, big monsters, big name monsters, and everyone knows their iconic look. And they're seen very early and fairly often. Sometimes in almost implausible ways, like you open a door one moment, nothing's there. Turn around, you hear a sound, turn around, open the door, mummy's there. Ah! But that's, that was how films worked back then. Nowadays, because people are, well, let's face it, people are jaded. We can go online and we can see all sorts of things. And so in order to get that same visceral punch that you would get from a monster you now have to kind of keep that monster in the shadows give the audience glimpses little hints of the monster and let the audience start filling in the blanks and then when it finally does make its appearance it really terrifies people because now it's something that they weren't expecting now not everyone is when they're looking at when they're filling in the blanks for a monster, they're not looking at, say, when they're filling in the blanks, they're not going with the fantastical. So if you have a lot of fantastical elements within your monster and the audience is kind of, ah, I'm just going based on what I know, and they make it a little more mundane, and you went more fantastical, it becomes a real big visceral jolt to the system really and that's what I think makes a good monster a real scary monster one that is only seen in glimpses briefly and then makes its appearance after the audience has kind of developed what that monster might be in their own head and then you bring it out with the scary scary monster that you and your creature workshop has created. Naturally, along the way, there are lots of failures when it comes to monsters. Uh, honestly, the one in recent memory for me has always been, uh, well, what was the name of it? Uh, the Birdcage, I think it was. And it had invisible aliens in it. Now, come on, that's... I realized you, you, it had decent atmosphere. It did. It had a decent atmosphere, decent sound. It had good acting. The problem was is that you weren't giving the audience something to kind of latch onto. You, you never, they never seemed to be a real threat because you never see them. I understand that was like the artistic idea behind the whole film. But really, you're looking at it going, I don't know, this is not scary. This is more of a almost a deep dive into human psychology, really. Not, not a scary horror film. It's, I don't know, not that scary. It's, eh. 
so there's that's a personal example and it's and I'm kind of glossing over it mainly because well I didn't find it all that interesting nor did I find the monsters all that compelling uh, there are other other films that have also failed quite a bit when it comes to their monsters I'm going to talk about some of the uh, monsters for instance in uh, a number of the 1980s there was for some bizarre reason a uptick in Bigfoot monsters being used yeah and then there was and, and it was inevitably just some guy in a monkey suit and there were you know they ranged from a pretty good monkey suit to something you'd buy at the local big box store and zip up uh, there was more than a few instances where you would look at it and go, yeah, I can see the zipper. I'm not impressed. You know that's a rubber mask, right? I wouldn't be scared of that. Well, I would if I had to pay for it. But, uh, yeah, the, I'm not really sure what why that particular fad came around. Hmm. That might be a thought to... That's a thought I need to ponder on for a bit, why that occurred. But back to the topic at hand... When, what happen, when do you know when a good monster in a story is a good monster? And this, it's, it's kind of a difficult thing, but if you follow just some basic, fairly simple rules, your monster is going to end up being far scarier than your typical Monster Mash movie of the 50s. A good idea would be, of course, like I said, keep it in the shadows. Give give the audience glimpses. And that falls into another horror film trope, which is the whole idea of jump scares. Jump scares. Oh, Christ. If it's used well, and I do mean well, it can be very effective to get people in the mood. Alien did that quite well. They actually gave you a false jump scare. You know, the movies, mu the music in the movie starting to build up. It's getting that creepy, tense vibe to it, and they're getting closer, edging. They're nervous. They open the locker, and ah, it's not the monster. Oh, and then, uh, okay, it's it was, it was just, and then the music's not playing anymore, so it's like, well, you know, hey, the tension's over, turn around, boom, there it is. That was very, very effectively well done for a jump scare. It, w it incorporated the false jump scare and then the immediate jump scare immediately thereafter to really nail that because you got everyone tensed up and they're like, oh, false jump scare, and now they're all completely relaxed, turn around, and boom, you hit them with the big scare. That is an excellent use. Others? Oh... Well, not so much. Some films almost rely exclusively on jump scares, whether they have a monster in it or not. And uh, do it, using jump scares too much, overusing it, is much like anything else. To me, the best analogy I can think of is telling the same joke over and over again. You know? You tell a joke, and it's funny. Maybe not the funniest, but it's funny. And then you just, 
after a few minutes, tell it again. It's not funny. You keep doing that every few minutes and just keep telling the same joke. But it's still not going to be as funny as that first time. And in fact, you're just going to anger people. You're going to be annoyed and they're not going to like it. That's the same problem with overusing jump scares. The first time could be a pretty decent jump scare. It could really get people. The next time, and you do it in the exact... It's so predictable and you do it again. They're not scared. Now they're starting to wonder what's going on. And then you get to the third one or the fourth one. They're getting annoyed with you. And the audience will turn on you in a heartbeat for that. They don't like the idea that you are now actively trying to manipulate them. And they'll rebel. And that's why you get a number of films that do that. And they don't do very well. A number of quote-unquote horror films, especially from guys like uh, The Asylum, because they go by a formula, man. And they churn out schlock at a ridiculous rate. And they go in the cheapest, quickest way possible. But then there were, you know, classic films that have done that in the past as well. And it's mainly because of uh, lack of ability, lack of budget, lack of talent that have played a part in this. So, getting back to the idea of the monster, you, you have to use that monster sparingly. You just have to use the monster sparingly. You can use sounds. You have to find ways to heighten that atmosphere. You see, the monster isn't the end-all, be-all for all of your scary things. The atmosphere is what really drives that horror film. It really does. It, you need to build that atmosphere of keeping people kind of tense and on edge all the time when they're going into, you know, not so much in Act 1, but usually in Act 2, you have to really have that atmosphere built in. And then by Act 3, you know, that atmosphere is now terrifyingly oppressive, and that's when you really start to stretch your legs a bit and bring out the monster. That's my opinion on how to use a monster in a movie effectively. Now, of course, you have to have the a good visual, and so long as it's a monster that is... Not, you know, human-like or anything like that. Because, you know, you have the slasher films of the 80s of, you know, Jason and Freddy Krueger, so on and so forth, Michael Myers, so on and so forth. You know, those are scary, but but they're scary because they're human beings. They're just, just like the person next to them. And that's a different kind of scare. That's a different kind of feeling. If you're going with a what's a true monster film, you're going for something that's, you know, savage and unknown. Some creature, alien, mutated animal, so on and so forth. And you have to, at the very least, keep the audience guessing. You have to keep them guessing. And then make when you give them glimpses, brief flashes usually starting sometime around middle of Act 2, and you give them brief flashes of what the monster kind of has a shape, kind of has this look, but only small little snippets. And then the audience starts filling in the blanks for themselves until pretty soon, by the time you do get to a monster reveal, and if it's as mundane as they think, 
at least, you know, they'll go, oh, well, you know, see, I, I kind of guessed it. You really need to get a bit more uh, bizarre and fantastical with it. And then, boom, you have something that truly terrifies when it really comes out, and, it, and you use it effectively with a good scare. So, yeah, that's really my opinion. That's where I think uh, monster movies can really succeed. But as we know from various films, we've seen them fail and fail hard. And it's because they've overused an element. They've, like jump scares, they have shown the monster. Shown the monster far, far too soon. And so now there's no mystery, there's no mystique, there's no fear of the unknown built in now. It's known. We've seen it. We don't care. It's stupid. Because if you show it too early and too often, people are starting to immediately look at it and start picking it apart. And they're going to pick it apart all the way until the end, and then by the end they'll be like, man, that was a really stupid monster. Don't you think? Yeah, it was a pretty stupid monster, wasn't it? I looked at it and thought, eh, that was crap. So, that is something that you have to bear in mind. And then this this whole thing is just based on the idea if you are creating a monster or you're going to be doing a monster movie of your own. When it comes to the general audience, general audience just wants to be there and be have entertainment because, you know, that it's the idea of the fun house, the haunted house, the bit of scares that get the blood pumping. That's just excitement to them because they're in a safe environment and they know that. But they want to have that visceral scare every now and again because it's fun. And it's fun to talk about it with your friends. Be like, oh yeah, man, you should have seen that film. It had this monster. Ah, it was great. This is the kind of thing that I think a lot of filmmakers really are not quite getting, I don't think. Uh, mainly, you have the really brand new guys to horror films are coming in and they don't really understand some of the mechanics and dynamics when it comes to creating a decent monster and monster movie you as if you're making a monster movie you really do need to have a really good working relationship with a good creature effects house those guys can create some truly awesome monsters uh, for visual reference it would be to look up the mon monster of Pumpkinhead from the Pumpkinhead film. It looks awesome. It's an interesting monster. It's big and it's scary. It's overwhelming. It's very fast. It's supernatural in its ability to hunt down and kill things. Awesome monster. Again, the monster in Relic. You don't really get to see a whole lot of it. If you see the behind the scenes, look when it's in full light, yeah, there's a little bit bits and pieces of it that are a little hokey, but when in, if you're imagining seeing only about maybe 10% of it, if that, just like basic outlines and little bits and pieces of it, it really is a terrifying thing if you think of the idea, if I saw this thing in a darkened room, I would be terrified. That's a good one. Bad examples, like like I said, you could pick just about any of the quote-unquote horror films from Asylum that you can find. 
And there's more than a few monsters out there that, honestly, they're just... They're just low-budget. Low-budget kind of to crank out there for a grindhouse film. That really is the, uh, I think, the essence of a good monster movie, is the quality of the atmosphere, how good that atmosphere is, the quality of the monster, and how it is used sparingly. It is used sparingly. The monster cannot be front and center at all times. It has to be used sparingly. When it's overused, it becomes just an object for you to kind of analyze and look at and start picking out the flaws. Shadow, in shadow. The monster must be in shadow for the majority of the time until the full reveal. And it has to be used sparingly. Because if you... Like I said, you use it too often, too much. People are just going to see it and start picking it apart and analyzing it, and they'll start finding all of the flaws, especially if it's a low-budget. If it's a low-budget film, you do not want to have that monster scene. Uh, there is a monster revealed. It was an interesting movie, and it had a lot of potential in my mind. And I just think the creature effects for it kind of failed it a bit toward the end and that was the film Mimic uh, Mimic was a great film it had a great set of monsters I said set it didn't have one it had multiple kinds <coughs> excuse me it had <coughs> man it had multiple monsters Mo multiple monsters that really did uh, really engender quite a bit of fear really because it was kept in the shadows it was dark you didn't know quite what they were. You had inklings. They were given hints of what they might be. And then you started to see them. And that's, I think, where it began to fail because there were a few moments in which you got the full visual of these things. And, of course, because of the nature of these monsters, it would have been uh, really expensive and time-consuming to try and translate those into... Uh, full-sized animatronics. It would have been very, very difficult and very, very expensive. I understand that, budgetary concerns and, and all, but they went with the CG model, and the CG... Uh, the CG kind of left something to be desired because as soon as you saw it and you got to see it in, in full light, it wasn't really that scary. It, it kind of dissipated a lot of the mystique really that it, the movie had been building up until that point and then you started to see these things for what they were and it's just like oh this was uh, created by someone in a computer very clearly that's what it looked like it didn't look like it belonged there uh, that's a big problem with a lot of CG films that well a lot of films that use a lot of CGI <coughs> excuse me a lot of CGI films is that the big problem is that it doesn't look like it belongs in the area, in the set at all. It looks otherworldly and not in a good way. It doesn't look like though it's there. It looks as though it were an image that was cut and pasted into the scene, which that's kind of how it works. And it 
looks it. And unless you have someone who's really talented with the lighting and sculpting within CGI to really try and mask that, it unfortunately really sticks out. It sticks out like a sore thumb. So when you're mixing live action with CGI, <coughs> man, I don't know what's going on. Oh, oh uh, when you're mixing live action with CGI, it really is dis it it's a disconnect and you can really see it quite quite clearly just how uh, they do not mesh you I'm trying to think of a good example of where CGI and live action could work but they all kind of have that same problem I don't know it's not a good movie but I think the CGI in there works, and in some cases, works okay. And that's uh, John Carter. I think that one, in some scenes, the CGI and the live action combined can work, have worked a bit better. They meshed a bit better. And in others, they didn't. They didn't work as well. The one in Mimic, though, it stands out. It really, really does. And... To, it, to the movie's credit, it's because it's a fairly uh, early use. Well, I won't say early, early use, but it was a fairly early use for something like this to create a scary monster in CG. Though I do believe that they had really been tossing, a, they had tossed around the idea of making it with animatronics, some kind of uh, maybe a man in a suit, some kind of puppetry work, something to make it more real but they for the scenes that they were going to go with it couldn't be done they, they couldn't pull it off not for the cost so they decided to kind of cut their losses cost wise and go with the cgi model and while it works it does work with the scene you know the you get the full visual look of the thing and its movements and everything it still looks like it doesn't exist it just looks like something slapped into a scene so eh. it was the movie up until that point it had great atmosphere it had great it was using the rules quite well it was using the atmosphere to really build it up it kept the monster in shadows you never quite knew what was going on or what this monster really was and when you got it you got just glimpses just small glimpses of these monsters and then they had the big reveal unfortunately because it was CGI it left something to be desired visually and because it was such a glaring visual issue with these monsters and with the audience it was the first thing that you that struck out that stuck out to you and you just latched onto it and went oh that's what they did they decided to create something in a computer and slap it to a live action scene and everyone's just kind of running around scared at nothing or if you're in the if you're no film industry they probably had a uh, little ball for them to look at just off camera Oh, yeah, that. Or sometimes, in some cases, a person in a green in a green screen suit running around to 
act as a placeholder for the monster so that the actors know where to look and where to act scared. And uh, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But those are my thoughts. Those are my opinions on how what makes a good scary monster in a film. You know, I, I, I like to think that these are simple, basic things. And that there's a lot more nuance to it, I'm sure. And I'm sure lots of people will tell me, oh, no, you missed this, you missed that. But eh, that's just a basic thing. I'm not teaching a film class. This really is just basic stuff. And why, if you're not really sure, why does this monster film not work? Well, now you can kind of go back through your mind and see, does it follow the rules? Does it follow these basic rules? And then at the end, does it have a satisfying reveal? You know, it's a, it makes it visually scary. And you'll be surprised. Some of them do follow the rules, and then, like Mimic, uh, it falls flat at the end with the reveal. And then you have others that don't follow the rules at all. The monster looks cool, but it's... It's kind of been wasted at this point. But, you know, hey, that's just, again, my opinion. So, spark some conversations. Look some, look at some other movies. Check out Mimic. See what I'm talking about. But uh, I think that's going to be it for me for today. So, stay safe out there, and I'll catch you next time.